Welcome to the NC4 Podcast. We exist to know Christ and make Him known. Discover the power of a connected life by listening to this message from God's Word. At the Friday evening chats over the course of the last month, I I like think this is our sixth online Sunday service. At the Friday evening uh, chats over the course of the last month, a number of you had urged me to identify and talk about what God is saying to us as a church as we uh, undergo this, this kind of wretched persistence of the COVID-19 virus, especially here in the Lehigh Valley, which has now become a hot spot. So this past Friday night, I identified what I would call a string, a flurry of prophetic words and insights over the past month or so that had to do with eagles. And hopefully I'm providing some interpretive insight as to some of those things the Holy Spirit is saying during this time because you need to know God is speaking through this. And you can go to Saturday night. I'm not going to cover that ground again. Or Friday night, I'm sorry. If you aren't able to attend the chat, go to the website, take a half hour or so and and listen. And uh, what's important about it is the reality that God is not only speaking to us as individual households, he's speaking to us as a church. So you can actually see some of the sketches of eagles, Eckham's prophetic sketches, as well as read some of the prophetic words by going to the church website, nc4.org, and click on the three horizontal bars in the upper right-hand corner of the page. If you click on events, it should take you to the prophecies as well as the sketches. Our website is kind of our mission control regarding what's going on here at NC4 during this time. So we've been talking about eagles. By the way, we had another eagle sighting. Charlie Holmberg saw an eagle in his backyard lurking over Saucon Creek, and this no doubt is one of the pairs that's nesting on the Hellertown-Bethlehem border. The eagles that we're talking about that capture the attention of the writers of the scripture aren't eagles just anywhere. They're, They're eagles that are soaring in flight. They're eagles that are in flight. They See, eagles can utilize the storms. You realize some eagles have been seen flying in hurricanes. It's that kind of thing. So the question is, how does God want NC4, New Covenant, to soar during this pandemic and this season, and even into the next season, especially given the conditions we, we will have to maneuver through over the next few months both as individual households in a church as well. So I'd like you to turn with me to the book of Proverbs. We'll be looking at Proverbs chapter 30, verses 18 and 19. It's one of my favorite little pieces of Hebrew poetry. It's like totally profound. It's that good. It begins with a typical Hebrew poetic device called called an intensifier. It talks about three things, then four things. You see that in scripture. They'll say three things, four things, two things, three things. That's supposed to mean in Hebrew, it means that there's an intensification of our reflection as we look at these things. So look at, look at these verses with me. We begin in verse 18. We just go to the next verse. And I'm reading here from the New American Standard Bible. And so uh, the poet, or presumably uh, Solomon, says, there are three things which are too wonderful for me. Four, which I do not understand. That's the intensifier. And so Solomon is saying that there are certain mysteries in life which are absolutely wonderful, yet remain mysteries that only God knows, even as we contemplate them. And these are the four mysteries that Solomon mentions. The first is the way of an eagle in the sky. 
And that's a description of the path of the church in the Holy Spirit. And we're going to tackle that one specifically this morning. But I'll mention the other three because they're brilliant. The next one is the way of a serpent upon a rock. And this is a description of the path of evil amidst the goodness of God, which is always mysterious. Uh, Billy Graham, after 9-11, said this is the mystery of iniquity. And then the third is the way of a ship in the middle of the seas. This is the, the path of human endeavor in the face of the hostility of nature. And then this, is my, this last one is really my favorite, and this is really mysterious. Uh, the way of a man with a maid. This is the path of heterosexual love in the image of God. Well, I'm saying this because God wants us together to discern the path of the Holy Spirit as we enter a new season of the life of this church. And this message is entitled, Discerning the Way in the Wind. The way of an eagle in the sky. The writer of Proverbs is talking about the mystery of like how, how eagles fly. They, they ride thermal heat currents and they travel 23,000 feet in the air. They hunt at 2,000 feet. They dive at 200 miles an hour. And they seem to do all this so effortlessly. So the mystery is how the eagles are able to interpret the wind so well. How do they make a path in the way of the wind? And this may seem obvious to many of us, but, but one of the preeminent pictures in the Scripture of the Holy Spirit, Jesus uses it as himself, is the wind. So for charismatics, the obvious proof text is Acts chapter 2, 1 and 2. Like Luke chronicles the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost upon the disciples at the first. And this is what he says, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place and suddenly there came the roaring, the noise of a violent rushing wind. And of course, the rest is Holy Spirit church history. And there are a myriad of other texts we can turn to, but I want to focus on a very familiar text. Most of us uh, who, who've been Christians for a while know it. Those of you who, who, uh, who maybe are not a Christian, this is a great text for you. It's the text from which the phrase born again is drawn. And again, the wind is a key component of what Jesus has to say here. But I want for us to ask a few questions of this story that we're very familiar with. I believe like we're too familiar with it. I want us to ask a few questions that the eagles know that we're supposed to know about this thing called the wind. And these questions are questions uh, uh, that rarely you hear commentators, preachers ask of this text because we're so familiar with it as scriptures. Billy Graham uh, enshrined it in his messages to be born again, which is a, a truth that we all embrace. But there's more to the context than that. The context is this. Nicodemus is a teacher and a Pharisee, and he comes secretly to Jesus, because it's a dangerous thing to do, to ask Jesus if he is from God and how can he move in all these signs and wonders. Now, part of the response of Jesus, which always perplexed me, is as follows. And I want to pick up in John chapter 3 and begin in verse 7. He says to Nicodemus, do not marvel or do not be astonished, it could be translated. And obviously Jesus says that because Nicodemus is astonished. Do not marvel or be astonished that I said to you, you must be born again. Verse 8, 
The wind, and he goes right to the wind here. He says, the wind blows. And I love the English translation. I think the ESV and the uh, NASB translate. This is the ESV, but they translate it this way. The wind blows where it wishes. And you hear its sound. But you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. And so it is with everyone Everyone who is born of the Spirit. Verse 9. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? And Jesus answered Nicodemus, Are you? And this is, this is an amazing thing. When I first read this, I said, Why would you be so harsh here, Jesus? What is it you're talking about? And Jesus says to Nicodemus, He says this. I'm in verse 9. Are you the teacher of Israel and you do not understand these things? Wait a second, uh, what are you expecting here, Lord? Jesus says, uh, truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I had told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you then heavenly things? And what Jesus is saying then See, there's this contrast between earthly and heavenly, and what Jesus is saying here is when I speak of the wind, I'm giving you an earthly metaphor by which I want you to understand the movement of the Holy Ghost and how the Spirit moves us and what the Spirit accomplishes. But, but you're a teacher in Israel. I expected you to know this. So here's a question I had when I first read this, and I still have a little bit of it. So here's a question that we... Preachers and commentators rarely seldom ask of the story, why, why is Jesus so harsh here? In other words, what does Jesus expect Nicodemus to know that Nicodemus doesn't know? You know or, or what does Jesus think Nicodemus as a teacher in Israel should know? Because, watch this, the context is really important. Nicodemus did not have... Uh, Billy Graham capitalizing upon all of the, the preaching of Paul, the writing of the book of Romans, to know about this born-again stuff. This is before all of that. There was no developed evangelical theology about being born again at this point. No one at this point in the Gospels knew that Jesus was really the Messiah because Jesus wasn't proclaiming it. He was saying to his disciples, don't tell anyone I said this. More than that, no one could have known that Messiah himself is and would be God. And they never dreamed at God's plan for redemption, that Messiah would, would die on a cross and resurrect so that we all could become new creations in God, as Paul outlines in the book of Romans. The only resources that Nicodemus had were the Old Testament uh, scriptures and an understanding, a, a, an experiential understanding of how the Spirit of God moves. So what is it that Jesus expected Nicodemus to know as a teacher? And I believe that the beginning of, of it is simply this, and this is what we need to know as well. Nicodemus, like the eagle, was expected to know how to move in the path of the wind. Jesus tells him the wind blows where it wishes. I did a, seri a series on this about 10 years ago, which was a little different than what I'm doing this morning, but it always struck me that the wind has a wish. Uh, so Jesus says the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound, but you do not know where it comes 
from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. God supplies the wind of the Spirit to us, even in the midst of a COVID-19, the wind of the Spirit. Have you noticed it's a windy time, this, this physical phenomenon? And it's our job as brothers and sisters to capitalize upon that and to that it would take us somewhere, somewhere as a church, somewhere as individuals, somewhere as households during this windy season that we're going through. So here's what God wanted Nicodemus and us as an eagle church to know. This is it. Where the wind blows, the restorative, strengthening, and creative activity of God is fully at play, right? See, that's the Holy Spirit's job description right from the beginning. And Nicodemus had this at his disposal. Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, and then Genesis 1, verses 1 to 3. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit, Ruach, the Spirit of God, was hovering, hovering like a, a kite, like, a, like an eagle over the waters. And God said, let there be light. You can see something in this. Genesis 2, 7. God breathed into the Ha'adam, the first human being. God breathed into him spirit. The word breath could be translated wind because we have a wind of air that goes into the firmament. Genesis 8, chapter 1. After the flood, it says, God remembered Noah and God caused a wind to pass over the earth when God remembered Noah. This is recreation. This is reset. This is reformation. This is all those rewords. It's renewal. It is revival. It's that kind of thing. Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 1 to 6. The hand of the Lord was upon me, the prophet says, and he brought me out of the spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of dry bones. There was death everywhere. Verse 4, and he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you. But the word is also translated wind. I will make wind enter you and you will come to life. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 5. Just as you do not know the path of the wind and how bones are formed in the womb of a pregnant woman, so you do not know the activity of God who makes all things. There's something we can know without fully knowing it. There's something of God that can astonish us through these things that, 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 that remains mysterious and yet is insightful and moves us from one point to another. See, this is the stuff that Jesus wanted Nicodemus to realize, assumed Nicodemus would realize. It's the stuff that we need to be seeking him for right now. And I believe that we're entering a season of profound creativity as church and as a people in the household of God. Like, let me give you just some down-to-earth examples here. Immediately previous to the falling of the COVID-19 virus, we did a vision Sunday, both here and in Makanji. One of the measures of church health that we typically paid close attention to was attendance, how many people were coming each week. And we've done that for years, and it's a good thing. It's not necessarily a bad thing. And, you know, we were all becoming bean counters and doing this thing. Well, that measure 
has now morphed, let me tell you. That measure has morphed significantly. We're in a time where we're trying to find creative ways to measure the health of our church. And now we're doing it in terms of engagement rather than in terms of attendance, which I find fascinating shift. Fascinating shift. Now, I do believe that we'll get back together in time where our gatherings will approximate what they were before, but the novelty of doing church online is going to wear off. The BBC actually just said on their homepage, if you go there, they're carrying a great article on why online connecting is more tiring and requires more from us emotionally. But when all of the smoke clears and when this virus comes up, we're going to end up being together physically again, but we will have developed an online presence, which I believe is a huge opportunity for God to further the gospel. Something will have happened. We will have koinonia. Our fellowship together in terms of physical presence, when this thing lifts, will be more precious than we could have ever imagined before this. God will have created a new connectedness. Church won't look and feel the same, to be sure. It will be better because it will be more authentic. He's kind of like a, a hypodermic needle of authenticity is going into his church right now that we could never have anticipated otherwise. I even wonder if it's a correction from God. The Holy Spirit is going to be giving us new and innovative strategies for caring, for equipping, for discipleship, for coaching. I could go on and on, but here's the deal. This is what I want us all to realize this morning. The wind moves. This is an important principle, and there's a lot of words here, so try and catch it. The wind moves such that we experience it, but it requires that we interpret the experience as an ongoing changing way. You could, if you watch any soaring bird, but eagles especially, you can see them adjust just instinctively to the different patterns of the wind. See, we tend to think, watch this, we tend to think of the phenomena of wind as a stream or a force of air that moves in a straight line from point A to point B. Jesus said to Nicodemus concerning the wind, you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. And so it is with everyone who's born of the Spirit. Eagles know that the wind changes ineffably all the time. And, and their soaring is the consequence of their being able to adjust to what's going on, even in the moment. And so they can move and instinctively change with the currents. I was up at Ricketts Glen State Park, gosh, got to be 20 years ago. It was a, a fall day. It was kind of like today, except there was no rain. And I was on the trail up to the top of Red Rock Mountain. And Ricketts Glen, on those trails, it's a climax forest. And it has hemlock trees. I think it's the first growth, as a matter of fact. It's one of the two first growth areas in Pennsylvania. And so the girth on these hemlock trees are like, I could do this, and I'm still not even, you know, halfway around the tree. And they're huge. They're high hemlock trees on the top of the mountain. It was an incredibly windy day. I'm thinking 40, 50 mile an hour gusts. But I'm, I'm okay because I'm down under the canopy and the wind isn't down there, it's up top. And I was just marveling at the roar of the wind. It was like thunder. And so I just said to myself, as I, there was a, a bed of moss and I laid down and I just looked up and I marveled because I was expecting the wind to come through left to right. But when I looked at the tops of the trees, although the wind would come through in this gust, 
the, the tree, the, you could see the paths and the streams and the currents of the wind were going every which way at once, almost like a whirlpool of, of, of windiness in the midst of the gust. And I thought, Jesus was right. Of course he was right. And, and, uh, and I realized that, that, these, that this way of the wind isn't a tricky thing, but it has an instinctiveness that's required of us. It's, it's, it's something that we need discernment all the time for. So here's the deal. We need to be actively praying. I can't tell you how important prayer is right now. Prayer with the church, prayer as families, prayer individually. And as a church, we may need to pivot in the spirit at one point and pivot back at another. It's the flexibility uh, that I was speaking about on Friday night, if you check out that teaching. But here is what's most important to keep in mind. The wind has an ultimate wish, which is the will of God. The Greek word for wish there, which is called will in some of the other translation, is the, the Greek word thelos. It means that God has a, a design. It means that God has a plan. And so I just felt like this morning when I was praying over this message to say to every household here, what is God's wish for you right now in this season? You need to hear your wish. You need to hear the plan of God for you in this. This is the time when these things are being engendered. It, it means design. God is using all of this for, ultimately for a, a divine and grand purpose. And somehow, if we're faithful to hear what he's saying and asking us in this season, I believe, ultimately, not immediately, but ultimately, we'll look back and this thing will lead directly to a new harvest of souls. You've got to hear me on this. And because it's a pandemic, we're going to see a pan-revival or a pan-renewal or a pan-restoration. I'm believing that we'll see that pan thing happen. There was a poll on FMZ, WFMZ two weeks ago, and then there was another one yesterday that fascinated me. The question was this, do you feel more connected to people or attached to people going through this thing, or are you feeling more isolated and more lonely? And I would have thought, because we're in the church and, man, we're, we're kind of online with people all the time, we're doing uh, some, some social ministry, some, some uh, social gospel ministry, other kinds of stuff, and, and I, I talk to people all the time, and it's difficult. I, I know it's difficult, but there is this, this kind of connectedness because we have time to be connected. But do you know that in that, in that poll, 64% of the people responded by saying they felt more isolated and more alone than ever before. Whew. Wow. There's a vulnerability out there that we need to be able to somehow address more adequately because it will leave a stamp an imprint on those people's souls. I just assumed that because we were who we are as church that other people were experiencing uh, the same modality in some other way. No, 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 no. And I saw another, um, I think it was the New York Times, but I'm not, I can't remember for sure now, but it was one of the newspapers yesterday had another poll, and it was like 70% of people said they felt isolated and alone and feeling as if things were getting darker. Some of you who are joining this cast are people who don't normally go to church. You are welcome here. You are welcome here. But it, you know what? It's also a time for you to be reevaluating your life and your attachments 
what God is calling you to. Where's the reset for you, for, for those of you who are either on the fringe of church, or maybe you never went to church, or maybe you're angry at a church, but you're here because you've got the time. It's a really an important time to say, oh my gosh, who, who is my God? Who are my people? That's the kind of thing. And we need to be better as NC4 in addressing that right now. I believe that we can limit our usefulness in God's purposes by not being intentional in this, by not being intentional. I really believe there's a harvest of souls to be had. The purpose of the wind is to be striking, okay? We don't merely adjust to the fact of it. We position ourselves to be moved in it. I remember a friend of mine, an apostolic covering by the name of John Manzano, was an avid sailor, and he took me out on his sailboat. We powered out under diesel power, and we got out in the middle of Chesapeake Bay. And then he put up the sail of his boat, and the sail snapped into position, and we took off. And I thought, whoa, now I get why these crazy people are out here sailing all the time. You know, It's that kind of thing. The purpose of the wind is to be striking. We want to Look, may God give every household a snap of their sail over the course of this thing to take us all somewhere. So we don't want to really adjust. I don't want to adjust to this. I want to be moved by it. I want to be moved by it. Okay. I'm going to ask Tom to come up and play. Because um, this is where the eagle analogy is a portrait of church. We position ourselves with sustained worship. We position ourselves with prayer. We position ourselves with the sacraments. You can anoint, listen, you can anoint people in your house who are sick, heads of households, should be conducting Eucharist. These are all sacraments. You can do that. Praying authoritatively, that's the kind of thing we need to do. Uh, we can position ourselves with koinonia, virtual or otherwise. Sustained giving. It's that time for, we're not harvesting now. Where's that time for sowing? Um, uh, ministering to the needy. Becoming much more invitational to people in our gatherings. So uh, on Friday evening, uh, somebody asked me through online, do you believe the church is soaring right now? Well, I want to read to you. I said yes, and I set out some examples, but I want to read to you uh, a, a letter I received this week, a partial letter I received this week. I'm not going to read the whole thing. From one of our many healthcare workers who was on the front lines. And this is what he said. He said, I work at this facility. He says, our facility is stressing right now lots of people out, due in part by years of politics and the running of the facility. He said, we are desperately short-staffed, especially on our off shifts. The quarantine is terrible for everybody, especially the most vulnerable, who mostly don't understand what's actually happening. So far, I've pronounced two of the COVID deaths of the facility. For me, making the pronouncement of a death is always difficult. I wonder about the life that was. I wonder about the difficulties faced. I wonder about if they knew Jesus even a little. I think our Lord is merciful because just a little faith to believe in the Lord Jesus 
and you will be saved. So I've been contemplating for a while about the actual process of dying and what our new life will be like. And as I get older in my faith and I get older in my age, the more I anticipate uh, the change from this realm life to the next life. See, there's a parallel. It's interesting. As he's going through this, there's a parallel with what he's seeing between uh, the, the physical happening of the virus and death and resurrection in himself. He said, I, I told my kids I already have my DNR slash DNI signed just in case I get hit with the virus. I look at this life as a gift from God, but I also look at death also as a gift from God. Someday, I will walk on streets of gold. Pastor Grubby, have you considered a message or a Friday evening question time about death and how we Christians face it? I know at this time that even younger people are concerned about their futures and are thinking in ways that they haven't before about their deaths. I want to thank you for prayers. And this is what he says. And I also try and remember my NC4 leaders and all of my NC4 friends in my prayers. See, this is a letter from one of our, one of our own. And this is a letter from someone who is soaring in the spirit. Even though it's probably hard for him to realize it. See, sometimes soaring is a somber thing. I want to close with a prayer for anyone out there who just needs a little faith, which is what our brother was talking about. And then I want to pray for our healthcare professionals who are soaring sometimes somberly into the heart of this very storm. And I believe that there are heroes. So, um, this morning I want to ask you if you're online, you know, or however you're attached, if you're listening on podcast, have you settled the issue as to who Jesus is? In fact, that he's your savior right now, and your God, and your Lord, and your King. Have you settled it? Maybe you've flirted with the idea, but have you settled it? Because that's the wish of the wind for you this morning, right now. I want to ask you if you'll pray with me, and the rest of you, if you'll pray with me, this prayer. Just repeat after me and let, let, it, let it reflect. Let it you know, kind of reverberate in your heart. A few words that may change your life forever because it's the wish of your wind. Lord Jesus Christ, I'm sorry for the things I've done wrong in my life, my blindness. Will you forgive me? And I turn from anything I know is wrong. Help me. Thank you that you died on the cross for me so that I could be forgiven and set free. Thank you that you offer me forgiveness and the gift of your spirit. I now receive that gift right now. Come into my life by the wind of your spirit. 
be with me forever. I thank you, Jesus. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, uh, maybe it wasn't the first time, maybe it was the first time, whatever it is, if you feel like that prayer was settling something in terms of your relationship with Jesus Christ as your God, Lord, Savior, and King, there'll be an opportunity at the end of this broadcast to connect. I want you to connect. I want you to understand the importance of God and God's people in your life. For the rest of us, this is what I want to do. I want to pray for those healthcare professionals that are soaring into the heart of the storm every day. They get up, they shower, head in, work and work, come home, take off all their clothes, wash them, and get up and do the same thing again the next day. Let's pray together for them. They're heroes. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for these soaring eagles. We thank you, Lord, that they, they, they wade into this storm as an extension of your love, but an extension of who we are as their people. And we pray the blood of the Lamb of God over every one of them. We cover them in the blood of the Lamb of God. And ask that you protect them. Keep them. Keep their families safe. We extend that blood to every household in this church, both campuses, to our families and extended families, that we might be able to discover the way of the wind for our church and see a great harvest of souls. In your precious name, Jesus. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to the NC4 Podcast. For more info, visit our website at nc4.org. We believe in the power of a connected life. If you prayed to give your life to Jesus today, we'd love to help you walk it out together. Just text the word Jesus to 610-816-6062.